Hello, lovelies. Welcome to Lessons from the Universe with Jennifer Hall. In this podcast, you will find that there is no topic off limits and that we talk about just about everything that might be on your mind when it comes to knowing yourself, growing yourself, and the entire process of spiritual awakening. You will hear lots of laughter and hopefully join in, and you will hear the occasional four-letter word. You will definitely hear some inspiration, and occasionally you might even get your ass kicked. Come hang out and see what it's all about. Let's do this. Hello, lovelies. I heard a client say something really beautiful last week. He was talking about a moment of, uh, we'll call it disequilibrium, between him and his partner. And um, really the amazing uh, foresight and selflessness that he had. I'm not sure if he even realized that that's what I was going to get from what he said. But he was sharing with me what he said to his partner. And he had told her, among other things, that I understand if you can't be nice to me all the time. That was like a mind-blowing moment (laughs) to me, right? Like most of us require that at the very least our partner be nice to us. But that's not acceptance, is it? I mean, if, if love is acceptance, then it's recognizing that people might have bad moods, that people will have moments of disequilibrium, that people will have moments of narrow bandwidth, right, or saturated bandwidth, and that sometimes it's really hard to be nice for all kinds of reasons, right? One might be that your feelings are actually hurt by that individual, but sometimes it is hard to be nice, isn't it? Like if you're just in a a bad mood or you're you're tired or you're caught in a neg- negative uh, cognitive loop, right? It gets us sometimes caught on this train of thinking where we do hit cognitive dissonance, that space where we are inconsistent in our thoughts and our moods and our behaviors and our decisions. And sometimes it's hard to exhibit that self-mastery that keeps us from being ugly. And if you really love someone, we can understand, we should be able to understand if they can't be nice to us all the time. Now, as I'm saying that to you, I really do want to make a clear line. Like, he didn't tell her it's okay if you're mean to me, (laughs) right? He didn't say it's okay if you're hateful. He said, I understand if you can't be nice to me all the time. What makes a moment like that not okay? It's our cognitive loops. It's the loops of thinking that we build, right? It's that continuing to think, how dare she be so nasty to me? How dare she take out her ugly mood on me? How dare she? We build this loop. Why couldn't we build something else, right? Clearly, my love has had a bad day, right? Clearly, there's so much going on that she has nothing left. And what can I do? Well, depending on my bandwidth, I can either give her space or maybe I can do something kind and loving to help make that better. We can build new loops, 
right? Our cognitive loops, for those of you who haven't heard me talk about it before or don't know what it is, it's just habits of thinking, right? It's like when you get a new car that you don't really hardly see ever and then suddenly it's everywhere. You're like, what the hell? I never saw this car before <laughs> and now it's everywhere. Our thinking is the same way no matter what it's about, whether it's about positive or negative aspects of our life, uh, prosperity or lack, you know, happiness or discontent. We build loops based on habits. And taking a moment when someone we care about is, is having weakness, is having a lack of self-control or, you know, is just not feeling nice. Taking that and spinning that into something awful is a cognitive loop when instead we could build new loops. This is something really important, right? Not only is it love and acceptance for our partner, it's also the thing that will grow self-reverence for us, right? Self-reverence is, or reverence in general, <laughs> is respect plus value. If we respect and value ourselves, no one's mood is going to be able to take that away, that peace, that understanding, that ability to know the truth about ourselves, even when someone else is having trouble controlling their tongue or their face, <laughs> right? For some people, it's the look on their face. They don't even know what they're doing. And how often do we take the look on their face really personally? But it's rarely about us, beloved. It's usually they've got a headache or they're kind of sick of themselves. How many times have you been in a crabby ass mood and you were really just sick of yourself, but you were having trouble stopping? Now, we could have a whole conversation about the self-mastery that makes us be able to control ourselves and our faces and all of those things. But that's not actually the conversation I'm trying to have today. The conversation I want to have today is about cognitive loops and how people get caught in them, and we can be understanding when they are, and how we get caught in them, and how we can change them. So yeah, it is about self-mastery, isn't it? You guys love relationships. Even our relationship with ourselves is about fearless listening, right? Setting aside defensiveness, setting aside to speak what we want to say sometimes, setting aside the desire to fix it all and just fearlessly listen. Because usually if we're fearlessly listening to someone else, actually, guys, even when we're listening to ourselves, what happens? We talk in this circle that then has a moment that hits clarity. Think about it. We go 360 and when we hit that base of that circle, we've either come full circle and we've realized that we're full of crap, that we're wrong, that we just needed to vent, or we keep spinning that loop. It's a choice. If you will listen within yourself to the times that you give yourself permission, not even just give yourself permission, but tell yourself that you need to keep repeating that thing that's making you cranky, tired, miserable, grumpy, angry, whatever it is. If you will catch that moment, not only can you destruct it for yourself so that it quits being the persistent loop that controls your thinking and your moods, but you can also be more sensitive when someone else cannot. Just like my client telling his partner, I understand 
if you can't be nice to me all the time. You know, these loops that we get caught in have so many jobs, I guess, <laughs> right? I mean, if it if we're really honest, it goes back to back in the olden days when we were cave people, right? Like we had to keep repeating fear. We had to keep repeating concern to stay alive, to not be eaten, right? And so our brain does that now and it catches up, catches up to, catches on to anything that feels threatening. Jealousy is a big one. Whether it's jealousy about someone's looks, their jobs, their relationships, whatever that is. We can translate that too. What is the cognitive loop that gets attached to when we see somebody who is, appears to be, has, appears to have something that we think we want or deserve? There's a thought process that then is triggered and it becomes a cognitive loop, a habit. All too often we get caught up in jealousy or FOMO, right? The fear of missing out thing, right? FOMO is just jealousy and and, and jealousy is just a misuse of information. We should translate jealousy into praise. Be happy and excited for the other person. At the very least, recognize that there's evidence that what we desire is possible, is real. If it's just that somebody looks beautiful, if that makes you jealous, if that makes you insecure, because that's really what's happening, right? We feel like we're not enough, that if they're that beautiful, we're not beautiful enough, which is total crap. I mean, I'm sure you've heard me say it before. We all order different things on the menu, right? I may not be my taste, but I'm somebody else's, <laughs> right? Every time you just tell someone that they look beautiful, it gets easier and easier. And then the next thing you know, the only thought you have is, oh, they look beautiful. And it doesn't reflect anything on you at all. If someone has the relationship that you covet, that you want, just saying, oh, I see the love. So much love. Look at that love, right? That's beautiful. Love just adds more love. And if somebody has created a relationship that you admire, it's evidence that you can do the same. That it's out there, that it's possible. And where is it grown from? <laughs> you guys, it's mostly grown from cognitive loops. What do we choose to think about? If we choose to think about how much we love and care and respect someone, how much reverence we have for them, if we notice when they start hissing, then we can build wonderful relationships. Hissing is something we forget about, right? If you walk up to a cat and it hisses or it puffs up its tail or it arches its back, you give it space. You give it a moment to calm down. If you don't, start doing that now. <laughs> okay. Why don't we do that for people? Why don't we do that? We notice if you are paying the least bit of attention and you have any experience with someone more than just a few moments of connection, you can tell when their back is arched and their tail is flapped. You can hear them hiss. You can see it. Why? Do we still try to pet the cat or talk to it or reason with it or play with it? Leave the cat alone. If your partner, if your child, if your friend, if your coworker, if your neighbor is clearly agitated, just give them space. 
give them a moment. Maybe just say, how can I help? Right? Now, if they hiss back at you when you say, how can I help? Then you for sure, you back away, you give them space. <laughs> okay, don't get clawed. Beloved, we, we try too hard <laughs> sometimes to fix other people when what we need to fix, if anything, is our thoughts about them and what's going on with them. When I am battling myself, I will tell my family, I need a minute. I need a minute for me. If I can declare I need a minute, then I can let them have one too. It's hard sometimes. It's really hard. I'm not going to pretend it's not. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't moments that I just want to like push through with one of my children and force them to talk about whatever it is because I don't want them to bottle it up and blah, 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 whatever. But I don't do that, right? I pause. I say, come to me when you're ready to talk. Maybe I bring it up later, like hours later, the next day even. Fearless listening, fearless patience, fearless When we do it for ourselves, we can do it for them. When we pay attention to those cognitive loops, what am I thinking about again and again? Instead of thinking about my daughter digging a hole underground and being upset, I can think about that she is wise. I can choose to focus on that she will find the light side of what is on her mind and that if not, she will ask me for help. I can choose how I spin this and so can you. And every time we do, it becomes more normal. And the next thing you know, you are ferociously optimistic. You know, you may know this about me. I'm kind of obsessed with really old people, mainly because I've thought my whole life that I would live to be like 100 or older. And I've never wanted to be in pain or be clueless. So anytime I hear or read or see anything about an older person, I like to really embrace how sharp mentally they still are and what they can still do physically and all of those things. And last night as I was lying in bed and contemplating my own cognitive loops and resetting a couple that were failing me, I started to think about some of the things I've read that these centurions, if I'm pronouncing that right, people who've lived to be 100 years old, give advice to. One that I love is mind your own business. (laughs) I like that one. The older I get, the more I understand it, right? Mind your own business. But another one is happy, choosing to be happy. And I don't mean, you know, every once in a while somebody says that, you know, me pushing happy is toxic. I'm sorry if somebody genuinely feels that way. But I think if you really listen to what I'm saying, when I say happy, I don't mean some giddy, delirious bullshit. That's not what I mean. I mean, at the end of the day, When we choose what defines the day, we can choose something that lets that go on the list of good days. At the end of the day, you can focus on the disagreement that you had or the fun that you had. You can focus on the pain or injury, or you can focus on the lesson, right? I mean, there was a a moment yesterday, Father's Day, that my son and my husband bumped heads pretty hard right? It was just a moment. There were moments we were playing in the pool being silly, right? My husband was in rare form with the silly. It was fucking amazing. 
Oh, I probably just got a bad rating on my podcast for dropping the F-bomb. Um, no, you guys, at the end of the day, I asked my son, how was your day? And he said it was great. And then he goes, oh, well, maybe it wasn't so great. And I said, you're going to let five minutes turn a great day into a yucky day? He thought about it for a minute. And then with some poking and prodding on my part, he was able to realize, like, I don't have to be thinking about that argument. It wasn't earth shattering. What was earth shattering was the high level of silly that went on in the swimming pool and how fun that was. Let's replay that moment in our head as we go to sleep at night. Let's replay that moment in our head as we remember this day. We get to choose. Some people do romanticize focusing on the negative. When you find someone who focuses on the negative, they are usually either just caught in a loop, no one has ever suggested to them, or they haven't put forth the effort to change it, right? Or maybe they've never seen anybody do that. It is one of those things that would maybe fall under the label of generational curse. I resist that phrase because it sounds like some kind of magic. It's not some kind of magic. It is a habit passed on from generation to generation. Focusing on the negative is a generational curse. It is. We've learned it, right? Look at someone that you love where you actually know their extended family, right? Their parents, their siblings. Almost without fail, there's a mimicking of behavior right? They've got the same negative things and the same positive things, right? They're all super loud, right? Or they all focus on the negative or they all laugh like a wild hyena, right? Getting to know someone's family can help you understand them better. Looking at your own family can help you heal those cognitive loops, can help you heal those habits because you don't want them anymore. You quit saying, well, I'm just like my mother, so it's okay. And you start saying, I can think differently. I can do this differently. That's up to me. Now, just to be clear, side note, not your job to fix anybody else. Don't try. Unless they ask you. If they're like, man, you seem happy. What are you doing? Then tell them everything. (laughs) Okay? But otherwise, it's not. It's not yours. Right? Remember, say to yourself, I learn, I grow, I move on. Normalize it as a positive thing to move on. Learn, I grow, I move on. Not necessarily from people, but maybe, right? I move on from that habit. I move on from that way of thinking. I learn, I grow, I move on. And that's perfect. It's perfect. We can translate any seemingly negative emotion into something positive. Turn jealousy into praise. Turn loss into opportunity. Choose. Choose how you label the day, how you define it. You choose what moment has the most value. It doesn't have to depend on anybody else's decision, right? It might be that the whole day was a shit show, but you spent two minutes petting the neighbor's dog And that dog was happy and licked you and it was freaking fun. At the end of the day, you can let those two minutes define it. 
you can. And I frankly think you should. Think about it, beloved. And let me know how you're going to define your days from now on. Until next time, beloved. Namaste.